Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. My guess, if I was a guessing man, which I am, uh, is that your organization is probably looking at the future and going, I'm really not sure where we're going to go or what the thing is going to look like. And if you could go it alone, that's probably a little bit uh, confusing and scary. But if you could go it with a bunch of other people, I think that would probably be better, right? Am I right? I read an article in the newspaper um, uh, in our region in flyover country, Dakotas, <laughs> that intrigued me enough that I actually reached out to uh, an individual who was in the organization that got a bunch of nonprofits together and decided that, hey, it's going to be a great thing that we all live together under one roof. And that blew my mind enough that I had to make a phone call. And I'm so grateful to our guest today, who is going to join us on the official Do Good Better podcast, Heidi Gullickson. She's the executive director of the Brookings Area United Way. Heidi, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited to chat with you. Um, this is a very unique, very interesting, super confusing in the sense of like nobody else is doing this at such a grand scale here in our region that I think nonprofits everywhere could learn a whole bunch of 
ways to think differently or approach um, sustainability in a way that they've never considered before. And I'm so ecstatic for your perspective and time and thoughts as you have built this thing from the ground up, what that thing is. We're going to talk about it in a second. But before we get into that, please uh, it, it invite the audience into your uh, into your life and give us a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do and why we're talking today. Perfect. Well, I'm Heidi Gullickson. I'm executive director here at the Brookings Area United Way. Uh, Just finished my ninth year. Um, So I am a seasoned uh, individual who continues to learn every single day. Um, We have a staff here of uh, four full-time. And then um, one of the things that, that we have done is to be able to really look how can we help our community, not just in the typical ways that United Ways are thought of helping. Uh, We still do our large community campaign, um, but how else can we as United Way impact? So we run a few programs ourselves, but we're always looking for ways to build into our other nonprofits. And we really, um, you know, I thank the board often for being ready to say yes when there was a need in the community that we could fill. So it's been a fun couple of years and uh, keep looking forward to the future of what what our new project here is going to bring. So let's talk about the new project because I have so many questions that are based on it. Um, I'm reading an article flipping through the old interwebs um, and I see multiple nonprofits gathered together under one roof for giant building campaign thingy. And I don't even get through the article as a reader before I'm on the phone with you to try to book a podcast with it. So could you explain what on earth was so riveting that it inspired many people to just go, what on earth, what is this kind of thing from a building and how that came to be? Yep. So if you look back through United Way board meeting minutes, because who doesn't want to look back through board minutes? My, um, it's but, my weekly reading. I do yes. it every week. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> for many, many, many years, there was always kind of this theme that would come through of a little conversation about, well, what would it look like if organizations were housed together? Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't see it for a while and then it would come up again. And we actually, as an organization, kind of started that conversation um, late 2019 with our board. And they said, yeah, let's let's look. Let's have conversations. And then we all know what happened early 2020. So, of course, um, we kind of got a little derailed in that aspect of trying to find space and what would it mean and those kind of things. So, but as as we were looking at and talking about you know, just really that collaboration that we could bring if we did something like that. Um, Our local food pantry had reached out to our city who actually owned the building that they were in and said, hey, we need some repairs done. Can you guys help us out? And um, under some new leadership at the city level, uh, they determined that it was probably best to support them in a way of giving them some funding to find a new location versus putting any more into the building they were in. So that started that conversation of food pantry needs to relocate. And so had some conversations there. They reached out to a few organizations, et cetera. And then during that time period, um, our backpack program, which is the, the bags that go home with kids, 
on the weekends, they had been dislocated again. So for in my nine years at the United Way, I think they've been in six different locations um, by very generous landlords who said, I have some open space, you can be here. And then when they would get it rented, it was time for them to find a new space. Um, So they were very thankful of all the places they'd been, but it was time for them to move again. And so the city said, okay, we've got a little space out here. And so they were able to be there. So now there were two food organizations needing to find a permanent location. And so um, United Way got involved a little bit at a higher level of having those conversations and just kind of like helping everybody dream and figure out, well, what would it look like and where could it be? And um, the food pantry had a great connection at our first Lutheran church here in town who had some land who had said, you know what, it's we can't really build, you know, houses or different things on it. And so uh, they they got in the game and said, you know, we can provide the the land, which was huge because we know that's always the first hurdle. Right. And so First Lutheran Church um, has supported this project with a 99-year lease at a dollar a year um, to have the building put on it. So they own the land. Um, and then we were able to build on it. So through the through those conversations, there were different ones with different organizations, and does it make sense? And um, you know, sometimes the timing's right, and sometimes the timing isn't quite there. Um, and so through conversations, we also realized that we were going to use every square foot that the church would allow us to use on this land to really make this building functional for for not just the three organizations that were in it but also how do we how do we bring the community into it and so so worked with the architect and revisions were made and revisions were made and revisions were made and um the city all along had been very supportive like i said they were the the initial dollars coming forward as well but we were able to work with them um, to apply for a community development block grant. And so that was a process that we started the end of 2020. And but not every community is automatically qualified to apply for one of these grants. And so we had to do some um, kind of initial survey work that showed that we did have a need here in Brookings County for a food food pantry and for food insecurity. Um, our otherwise our our per capita income, et cetera, is just a little bit over what they say is the cutoff. Right. So, we, so it took about six months to do that. We had to get surveys from specific folks to to show what the dollars um, and family size and those kind of things were. And then once we had those three hundred and eighteen specific surveys completed, we then could apply for the grant. And so, through the um, Governor's Office of Economic Development, we were awarded 1.6 million for this building, which ended up being about 7,200 square feet. Mm. And again, houses the food pantry, the backpack program, the United Way offices. um, And then we run a program called Senior Boxes, um, another food organization or food program out of this building, which that one too had kind of been bounced around from church to church on whoever, uh, you know, could share the space at that point. So now it's, it too has a permanent location. That's incredible. 
there's there's a there's a lot of elements as you're sort of building into this too, where you have to speak with so many different entities to get all of this done at once and navigate organ other organizations, personalities, goals at the same time. The project management of expectations and hopes and dreams and desires has to be or had to be overwhelming. How do you even begin to broach that? Yeah, um, I will say that we really wanted to make sure that we were um, going to be good neighbors. Yeah. Not only to the church, but those other folks in the in the neighborhood here. And so the church was able to kind of give us one point person uh, to to have conversations with who then could either make decisions or be able to go back quickly to the church council if we had questions or to get signatures on documents, you know, shared parking agreements and land leases and, and those kind of things. And so really it was trying to almost over communicate and still allowing grace on both sides of, oh my goodness, there's a meeting today at two. I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you, can you jump on? You know, those kind of things that everybody really tried to like stay in tune with everybody to, because as much as I think I know about another program, I'm not going to know everything. So we really wanted their input to, to try to make this building serve our needs, not only today, but also in the future. Mm -hmm. um, the, the decision to, to make a go of this probably comes directly from the board. And again, you noted that earlier, right? The, the board's mentioning this and, oh my gosh, we should do this. There's always a time, there's always a moment. And I'm sure everybody kind of has this where a decision's been made and then there's an oh crap moment. Oh, we've already done this. Oh no, now what? Um, what was that like? Because the enthusiasm of selling this as a project of like, this has been a dream of ours for a decade and a half, and we've been doing this for months and blah, blah, blah. And then they vote on it. And then that weird, awkward silence of like, um, okay, now what? How did you take that oh crap moment and then build momentum on it, knowing that there was going to be hiccups and then sort of assuring the board? Because this is a this might be masterclass in board communication on that expectation that I think a lot of people could learn from. Yeah. And I will say, you know, we, it, we did not start out with what we ended up with, of course, which is, um, which is even, which is even more, I think important as we kind of walk through this process. Cause I think that a lot of people would go, Oh no, it went off the rails. And then immediately everybody would have a freak out moment. Yeah, no, I think, you know, being able to just kind of like, Oh, keeping the board informed, even though the food pantry having, you know, when first it was just them going to relocate, um, that really didn't necessarily impact us as an organization, sure. but like keeping the board up to date on like, Hey, this is happening in our community. And this is, this is a conversation that's going on and those kind of things, because then it was like, Oh, the food pantry is going to, you know, need to relocate. Their building has reached its end of life. It is becoming unsafe. It is just not a good situation anymore. Um, and then it was like, Oh, now the backpack and we're going to have some conversations, you know, and then, then it was originally, you know, we were almost going to be like the tenants in a shared building. Right. And then we got our board, the backpack board and the food pantry board, like two representatives from each board, along with the staff together in a room. And we're like, okay, 
what, what does this mean? Like what, you know, people are saying, well, what's this going to cost? And we're all like, we have no idea. And when would this happen? We have no idea. Um, <laughs> and, and through those conversations, we, we started to get a little bit of clarity because as a United Way, we have the full-time professional staff where these other two organizations are run by part-time staff. Right. And so, you know, we, I had a board member say, do you want to be the landlords on this building? And they said, no. So then it became a little clearer to us of, okay, we have to start driving the bus a little bit more here in these conversations, which again, we were more prepared to do just on the type of organization we were. So, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the um, hesitancy and even partnering up is the fear of having open and honest conversations about not knowing what the answers are. And so I think a lot of fundraisers do this, and I think a lot of um, executive directors do this, which is they don't want to either go into a place or have a conversation without every single thing buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And I think that prevents a lot of growth opportunity. It prevents a lot of creativity and uh, maybe outside of the box I and mean, like that phrase or not, uh, outside of the box idea building, if you don't come already pre-prepared with like, this is how it's going to go. So what I really appreciate is that you have all these representatives of these organizations who are vastly different in the way that they're managed or styled or fund- funding um, elements with the idea that we don't know necessarily, we have to trust our gut and trust the community that that has told us through surveys and through conversations that this is what they need. What a really wonderful example of what beautiful things can get created when you're not, you don't necessarily know what the end game is going to be. Right. I would, I am the person that I want everything done ahead of time to go in and and play, you know, have this beautiful thing to say, this is what we're going to do. And I had to just, once the ball started rolling, it was just rolling Mm -hmm. and you just had to keep up with it at that point. Um, And I think we had that, oh my moment as a board when, you know, all along it was like, well, we're going to try to apply for this grant see if that works. And then it was like, oh, we need to make a commitment (laughs) that, that the city's putting this money in, this is money. And now we need to make a commitment that we will either put in ourselves or find this other money. And I mean, like I said, the ball was rolling in the board all along. It was, it was a lot of little yeses to keep things keep things going and just the communication back and forth with the other organizations, little yeses. And I, we've been in the building since January and we are still working on faith and promise because we we're still figuring out the lease situation um, even with our partners. Right. So it's, it's working, but no, there is not a pretty little package, unfortunately, that we could say, look at this. Um, Look at this blueprint. I'm going to, I mean, the blueprint is there of like, let's, 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 let's live uh, audaciously to find a way to, you know, to create a common, you know, goal of, you know, uh, eliminating food scarcity and then providing for those who can't provide. I mean, that's a really great thing. Um, Within the conversations of the board, there are some of the hiccups. Um, Were there ever points in time, like, okay, timeout, we need to like think, rethink this. And then how did you push forward with those little yeses? Because again, I think as a, as an executive director, as a young fundraising professional, when they're up against a please pause moment, you almost take it 
a personally that you either don't trust me on this project or, oh, now you're now you're sort of um, taking back the empowerment you've given us to do these things going forward. How do you navigate those hard conversations to continue on when you and the other organizations and you and other partners know that's a good thing, but you now you've got to get everybody back at the table, back in agreement? How, how do you work that? Yeah. And I think it's, Part of that is being able to say that, hey, I don't know these answers necessarily right now, just being upfront instead of pretending to come in and have all these things and then knowing, oh, they're fine today, but in two weeks, they're going to realize that I didn't really know what I was saying mm -hmm. and then things will get bad. So just along the way, being able to say, we're, we're kind of rolling with this mm -hmm. um, and trying to manage those expectations. Of course, the minute you start to break ground on a, on a building, um, you know, it's not big enough. And yeah. there, there are things that we would do differently now that we're in it and, and those kind of things, but we, we didn't want perfect to get in the way of better and being able to have the space that we have and, and do those kind of things. And you can always change things down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, don't let perfection get in the way of progress. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the wonderful things that you've demonstrated in real time here, which is interesting. The other fascinating piece, and uh, I'm hoping we dive into a little bit on this because I've got several follow-up questions to this, which is you had this building funded not through what you would typically have as regular capital project, right? There were... I think most, if not all, the funding was from alternative sources that were not from your direct community or donor base themselves. Um, that's a scary proposition to other organizations who may not know or be willing to navigate outside of that little comfort zone that they have. Can you walk through the the, the significance of having conversations outside of your own community and the benefits thereof? Because I think that's something that People go off there. It's not for my community. It doesn't mean much, or I don't know how I can have these convos with nobody else is going to care about it as much as we do. How, how did you walk through those little muddy waters um, and then come out the other side going, Oh, look at this alternative way that we can do this. Yeah. We, we wanted to make sure that we were protecting our, our annual campaign mm -hmm. because we need to continue to do the impact in the community that we needed to do. So we didn't want this project to impact that. And the right. same with the backpack and the food pantry. We want those donors to continue to give to those programs to run the programs. And so with this building, um, we were able to, like I mentioned, um, receive some support from the city, but not through a regular avenue that application process. It was more in their general funds yeah. of dollars that they set aside to do things in the community. They just happened to own the food pantry building that was time for it to, to make a change. Um, and then the governor's office of economic development to be able to apply for one of those grants that had never been on our radar. Um, and then we then went to the county and asked them to match at the same level what the city had done because the, the organizations in here do serve the full county population. Um, and so they were able to, again, kind of find some one-time dollars to do that. And then we have a organ or a business here in town that they are great United Way supporters. They do a great United Way campaign with their employees. 
Um, but they also have a foundation mm. that we had never tapped into before that is located out of Texas where their headquarters is. And so we were able to write a grant to that foundation, to the Valero Foundation for like all things technology. So phone systems. So we, all three organizations have our, still our own phone numbers, but we can then, if somebody calls us, but they're looking for the food pantry, we can just hit a button and transfer over to them. And we can call each other with the push of a button versus having to dial um, an outside line and just some of those things that just made sense, but otherwise wouldn't have been in the budget. So the 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 foundation access at the corporate level outside of your community, which provided the tech funds to make sure that you've got again phones and computers and all that all those kind of things. You never tapped into that locally. Right. Um, how did that come to fruition? Because again, I'm I'm going to these small, medium sized nonprofits who may have a thing that'd be interesting and they may not even think they qualify. How did you find out about it? Did you always know about it, but didn't have something to fund for it? How does that conversation come to the table? And then when you have that aha moment, you're like, oh my God, this is actually perfect. And it actually gets to tie into those who are, who are donating locally. But like, where did that note come from? Was it internally at, at the, at the business or did you know about this? How did that work? It's really about just having those relationships with donors. And then being able to say, what other opportunities are there? Because they loved being able to apply and bring those dollars to our community to help support this building and this initiative. And so it's a win for not only our community and that organization, but now that foundation too has another area to say, oh, and we help do this. Right. And yeah. so there are there are ones out there that, you know, we just have to ask. The answer is no, unless you ask. And so those those folks and those businesses that are already supporters might have access to other dollars that just haven't been you know along the lines of what you've been doing yeah so it's it's, it's interesting that and, and again I can envision a lot of groups who may be listening to this to say well I don't really know how to do any of this well yeah your conversations with donors might inspire them to think outside of the box the same way that you are to try to solve the problem of whatever you're trying to partner up and do something big like this. And, and I just love that statement and that constant reminder of like, you'll never know unless you ask. And then there's a no, but and then there's a no, but oh, this might work. Right. Um, and letting people freely discover that and create that by asking really good questions on like, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, is there an opportunity here? And almost empowering your donors to come up with some of these solutions rather than just, you know, they, they're just, they get, they do this and they do this. Um, I, I just absolutely love that acquisition. Have you noticed? And I think this is an interesting thing too, um, that you never tapped into your donor base because they've got important programs to, uh, to adhere to. Have you noticed an increase or decrease in donations from the donors themselves based on this big project that you have done? I think we're still too early to be able to see that. Um, just having completed the building in January and moved in and we're, we're kind of hidden. We're on the backside of the church. Um, and so a lot of people didn't even know that this building yeah. was being built back here until mm -hmm. we were able to celebrate that grand opening um, in May. 
And so still getting the word out, but we had over 200 people come through the building that day and doing tours and eating really yummy cupcakes. And so even that day right there, I know our other programs of backpack and the food pantry specifically have gotten new donations off of those tours. So I think, I think that will come and, and I let everybody know in kind of our, our ribbon cutting speech um, that they should watch for opportunities on how to continue to support this building so that it does stay in good repair and that the programs can continue to focus on their programs and not having to worry about the building and the location that they're in. So there are still some unknowns of what what that looks like um, as far as possibly a endowment campaign down the road where then our our local donors can have a piece of this building. You know, they can, they didn't have to help build it, but they can help keep it sustainable and keep the work, the good work going within the walls. I I, I love this um, as an opportunity for the community to donate to something they've never had before, which is my larger gift will now be to help this umbrella group, Mm -hmm. you know, from a building standpoint. I mean, that's, I've never been offered this as an opportunity before, rather than mentally thinking like, oh, no, I better grab for them and they should be only our donors. And this is such an interesting um, example of a community wanting to get what they could give more. They could didn't know about the backpack program, but they knew about the food pantry or mm-hmm. didn't know about the United Way as much as what they did. Uh, but they did know about, you know, uh, there's so many great storylines out of this that help promote things that may not have been on anybody's radar before that I'm guessing if we have a conversation in the next couple of months, you're going to see that sort of ramp up. And especially at the end of the year, you can imagine what the holiday parties look like and the open house pieces. I mean, it's just going to be so fun to watch um, about how this works. If an organization or a group of organizations is looking to get together and they're like, I don't know if this is going to work there might be too many negatives uh, when it comes to the positives. Any pitfalls that you could maybe uh, describe or you didn't expect, but like bumped into, you're like, I didn't expect this to happen, that you could maybe sort of relay to those who are considering a multi-organization partnership or the things that you wish you would have done um, hindsight besides the building being twice as big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe the general rule. If you think it's going to be big, build it twice over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, everyone was like, are you making it so you can put a second level on it? And it's like, no, unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, I think some of the, some of the pitfalls are just that you can avoid is having those, those honest conversations out there just, and, and what somebody is expecting can change over the time too. And so be ready for that. Like I thought we're all on the same page and all of a sudden things have changed and what they want is different than, than what the plan originally had, had been. Um, And I think, I don't know. I I feel like this was almost a little too easy to build um, because we did have such great partners who all along you know, their boards too had to just kind of go with this because we're asking them to be partners in this building, but we can't give them a dollar amount of what it's going to cost for them to be there with us. And so we all had to 
kind of go along that. And, and luckily everybody, uh, you know, is able to move that way, but that definitely can be a big pitfall is the, the dollar amounts and what people are expecting to pay versus what it actually costs and those kind of things to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the building management is, is more than you're going to think it is. Yeah. So almost try to build build that concept into it. Um, we luckily have a lot of student volunteers that come in. So they wash a lot of windows for us and vacuum a lot and do those kind of things for us. And at, right now mowing, but those are all things that we we're still trying to figure out what it means for this building. And, and so that that's kind of one of our pitfalls is I'm spending a lot more time dealing with those things than I should be at this point. So I'm hoping after the first year, we have some of that figured out. Um, but that's, that's been one of the things right now. Yeah. Well, I, again, I think, and I applaud every one of you who are involved in that on the amount of communication that you've been doing throughout the whole process. Cause I think without that, this thing would have been imploded immediately. And I think your knowledge, you're just instant, you're like just gut instinct on communication being first and foremost and honesty and openness and really just ex- the expectations are we don't know, but we're going to say we don't know rather than assume. Uh, I think that's a lot can be, that can be attributed to like the success of how this has launched. And again, it, it growing pains, you got a couple of years to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a, a, an acknowledgement that that's not perfected yet too. Is going to open up doors to other possibilities as well. This is pretty amazing. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you and talk through this, if they are involved in some sort of, um, I got an idea, but I don't know where, or they want to just kind of find out and follow you on how you got from point A to point B, Heidi, where would they go to connect with you and ask questions and just follow the zone of genius that you surround yourself in? They can reach out to me at Heidi at brookingsunitedway.org. Um, I love to take folks through the building and give them tours and show the, show the space that we have created that can be flipped. Like the backpack space is completely everything in there is on wheels. And so things get moved around and we do community meetings in there and all of those kind of things. Um, and so we have three conference rooms that other nonprofits can use. And so we, we really tried to make the space as user-friendly. And again, it is, in my mind, a community building that United Way just happens to own and manage, but it is here for the community to use. So I love to give the tours. I got it down pretty good by now, um, but it's it's fun to show the things that right now, already we kind of take for granted. Mm-hmm. I, I It's I'm most excited for the tour and grabbing one as soon as I get back down there. Yeah. Um, we're going to also, we'll link, uh, you know, sort of Heidi's email, uh, the website. We'll link to the article that sparked this conversation in the first place. It's a really good read that probably will spark some additional questions for you if you're a nonprofit organization or a community looking to partner um, as well. Um, while you're on there, and make sure that you subscribe to everything that Heidi has so you can get to keep the, the knowings and goings-ons in Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, while you're in there, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, for shame, you should probably do that and leave a giant five-star review for Heidi because she deserves it. Uh, and then immediately go back and follow everything they do on social media where we'll have the links as well. Um, Heidi, a couple of things. Number one, um, thank you so much for the audacity to pull something like this off. Because I think it's an inspiration to a lot of groups that never 
that don't think they can do this. And I think you're going to be a very good shining light and example. And I imagine people will be contacting just you in general for the next couple of years. Like, how in the hell did you do this? That's going to be immediately the question. Uh, number two, thanks so much for your perspective today and for your time and for your ability just to talk openly and honestly about the challenges and the successes and the coolness that this whole project is. But mostly, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insights, tips, and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 